Riding high on the success of Jaws, Steven Spielberg offered his services to direct the next James Bond movie. For some inexplicable reason, the producer, Albert R. Broccoli, said no. I'm Stephen Archibalds, and welcome to my movie podcast. Stephen Archibald, and this is my movie fan podcast. They came from within, cult movie reviews. The Man from Atlantis, The Spy Who Loved Me, 1977. Yes, that's right. Steven Spielberg, one of the world's greatest filmmakers, could have been part of the James Bond universe. Oh well, at least one of this franchise's greatest henchman is named after Spielberg's breakthrough film. By this time, the production partnership between Broccoli and Saltzman had been failing and Harry Saltzman had racked up debts on other projects. So, he chose to sell off his stake in the 007 movies. And following the far from glowing reception the man with the golden gun had received, plenty of money, care and attention was invested in the next movie, The Spy Who Loved Me, the tenth Bond movie from the ninth Ian Fleming novel. Attempting to get it off the ground threw up all sorts of problems, such as when Kevin McClory, the owner of the Screen Rights 2 Thunderball, denied the makers from either using Blofeld or his organisation Spectre which is why he was hastily converted into the character Karl Stromberg, who's Blofeld in all but name. Seriously, add a furry white moggy and you really wouldn't be able to tell the difference. The Spy Who Loved Me provided the late great Roger Moore with his finest couple of hours as 007, which is all the more remarkable when you consider that the screenplay proved very hard to construct. Various exalted writers, such as Anthony Burgess and Sterling Siliphant, had a stab at it, and even when Richard Maybaum had finally completed a draft, it was subsequently rewritten by Christopher Wood. And in the end, well, they ended up with a plot that's not all that different from You Only Live Twice. But it's how the movie is presented and how it plays out that counts. Notwithstanding the familiarity of the storyline and the fact its action set pieces come across like a greatest hits of Bond compilation, the film is a wonderful representation of escapist cinema when an American and a Russian submarine both go missing at sea. Bond has to team up with a Soviet KGB agent in order to avert a looming major disaster. Agent Triple X 
Major Anya Amosova, is played by the American actress Barbara Bach, a woman with an incandescent beauty. Bond and Anya wind up in a face-off with a powerful shipping tycoon who just so happens to have a scientific background. This is, of course, Karl Stromberg, who was portrayed by the elegant German actor Kurt Jürgens. True to form, Stromberg's a megalomaniac, who has his own secret underwater fortress, which is aptly named Atlantis, and he plans to ignite World War III so that he can create his own civilization below the sea. However, Stromberg isn't the standout villain in this movie. That honour goes to the seven-foot, two-inch-tall Richard Keel, who played Carl's henchman, Jules. The makers had picked Richard for the role of Jules on the strength of his performance in the 1976 comedy thriller Silver Streak. The delightful Keel impressed the producers so much he got to reprise the role of Jules in the next Bond flick, Moonraker. Sadly, Richard died of a heart attack on the 10th of September 2014, a mere three days before his 75th birthday. Returning to the native New Yorker, Barbara Bach, when she auditioned for a part in The Spy Who Loved Me, she assumed she might land a minor role. Barbara must have got the shock of her life when she actually received the leading female part, just four days before shooting began. Another strikingly beautiful woman in this movie is the British actress Caroline Monroe, who first came to the public's attention by appearing on billboards for Lamb's Navy Rum. Having already made a brief, uncredited appearance in the 1967 Bond parody Casino Royale, Caroline got to play Stromberg's pilot and would be assassin Naomi. Making Caroline's role relatively brief was a bad idea on the filmmaker's part. An interesting dynamic could have been built between her, Bond and Anya. Oh well, at least she holds the dubious distinction of being the first woman Bond eliminates on screen. A number of interesting factors tie this film in with the marvellous Superman movie from 1978. Caroline Monroe turned down the role of Ursa, General Zod's second-in-command, to do this film. Also, the 1978 Superman is another franchise movie which could have been directed by Steven Spielberg. Thirdly, Lewis Gilbert wound up directing this picture when Guy Hamilton quit the project to direct Superman. However, Hamilton soon left that assignment too, and the fab movie, starring Christopher Reeve and Margot Kidder, got to be made by Richard Donner instead. For tax-related reasons, 
John Barry did not compose the music score for this movie. That task fell to the American Marvin Hamlish, who did a fine job. So much so, his film score was Oscar nominated, along with his Bond theme tune, Nobody Does It Better, which was sung by Carly Simon from lyrics provided by Carol Bearsager. The wonderful art direction by Ken Adam and Peter Lamont also received an Oscar nomination. This movie has one of the most celebrated pre-credit sequences in the franchise's history where Bond leaps off a mountain peak seemingly plummeting to his death that is until he finally releases a Union Jack parachute. This classy opening was orchestrated by the second unit director John Glenn who also served as the film's editor. He's the man who went on to direct five Bond movies. The stunt was performed by Rick Sylvester and took place at Mount Asgard in the Canadian Baffin Mountains. Interestingly enough, it was George Lazenby who came up with the idea for On Her Majesty's Secret Service. However, they did not have the means at that time for performing the stunt. Many of us also adore The Spy Who Loved Me for featuring 007's beautiful, gadget-filled White Lotus Esprit, nicknamed Wet Nelly, a vehicle that can even transform itself into a miniature submarine. The Spy Who Loved Me was almost the first Bond movie I got to see at the cinema. As children, my brothers and I couldn't afford to go to the cinema very often. We went to see this movie, but the screening was sold out. We got to watch a film called A Bridge Too Far instead, which is most ironic, seeing as Sean Connery is one of its stars, and that the role of Lieutenant General Brian Horrocks, taken by Edward Fox, was meant for Roger Moore. At $13.5 million, The Spy Who Loved Me was the Bond film with the biggest budget to date and utilised more locations than ever before. It's just as well it proved to be a massive hit. The movie received its UK premiere on the 7th of July 1977 at the Odeon Leicester Square. I'm Stephen Archibald and thanks for listening to my podcast. They came from within cult movie reviews. Please feel free to like or subscribe. Look after your good self and goodbye for now.